8020QT phase two, this time Brooke and Uranema, 80% of those results, 20% of the effort, and this is easy, but there are some caveats. Starting with what makes Brooke different than Ick or Velvet? Uh, so Brooke, it's short for Brooke Clonella. Uh, it's typically really, really common in wild clownfish. Uh, sometimes it's called clownfish disease. Uh, but basically it is a direct ciliate contact parasite. The entire life cycle of the parasite actually is um, occurring on the fish. Uh, it does make it easier to treat, but the symptoms typically are that the skin on the fish actually looks like it's peeling off. Sometimes it looks like the fish has cobwebs all over it. Um, with clownfish, really good indication of, especially if wild clownfish come in, um, if they are carrying Brooklynella, the um, dorsal and ventral fins a lot of times will be clamped and the body will kind of almost be rigid or stiff looking. Um, and they won't have like this normal, uh, almost playful clownfish up and down swimming pattern. Um, the respiration will also be incredibly, incredibly uh, labored. Um, and their head is typically pointed a little bit upwards as well. So I ran into this twice. Uh, one was on a clownfish and it looks terrible. Mm -hmm. And the other one actually was just as terrible, which was uh, engineer gobies. Mm -hmm. uh, and probably just got exposed to a wild clownfish. So it does happen uh, to any fish that is exposed to this as well. How treatable is it at that point? Uh, it's pretty difficult, especially on clownfish. Um, some other fish, other species, you know, if you catch it uh, relatively early, pretty treatable, the fish is relatively saveable, but um, especially on clownfish, you definitely have to be a lot more aggressive about treating it. Yeah, so some of what we're gonna talk about today is actually more about prevention and making sure that this didn't make it into a tank than it is uh, about treatment, but there is some crossover and we'll explain that in just a minute. All right, so one of the other big difference between Brook and Ick and Velvet is that uh, it's not effective uh, with or responsive to copper. Mm -hmm. It's responsive to something else, and this is probably gonna be a big de decision tree for a lot of you. Yeah, so the ideal treatment for Brooklynella, it's formalin. Uh, formalin is 37% formaldehyde diluted in water. Uh, it is a known carcinogen. It's incredibly, incredibly toxic stuff. Uh, we at Marine Collectors, like I am the only one who uses formalin. I do the dips and the dosing after everyone goes home. When we do system doses, uh, I do them at night when no one's in the building. And then I come in early and I ventilate the warehouse before people start coming in, you know, showing up for work. Okay. Um, we're dealing with a lot of unknowns and it's just better to err on the side of caution. I'd love to tell you exactly how carcinogen, uh, carcinogenic it is, uh, <laughs> how bad this is. And the answer is, I, if you look it up, it says it's like uh, causes leukemia. Uh, but also uh, formaldehydes in all kinds of things in our houses. Basically every new plywood, house, yeah. plywood, pressed board, mm -hmm. it's in all kinds of things. I don't know the difference between whether or not this is gonna cause you leukemia for sure, or if it's uh, the equivalent to smoking a single cigarette. Uh, you're gonna have to make that decision for yourself through some research. So this is that decision tree between, yeah, this is actually really, really easy and it does kind of fit the 80-20 model, but uh, you're gonna wanna be, you know, wear a mask and protect mm -hmm. yourself. And there is a difference between what's gassed off here and whether or not you spilled it all over the floor and like took a big, huge breath of it. So uh, the most common, the most recommended solution here requires a different level of safety techniques than is common to somebody who's doing this for the first time. All right, next, Uranema. What makes this one different than uh, Ick and Velvet as well? 
All right, so just like Brooke, it is a direct contact ciliated parasite. Um, we treat it in a very, very similar way. Uh, uranema, it'll often present on chromis. Sometimes it's called chromis disease. Um, but basically, they are like large red sores on the fish. Um, it also usually affects fish that uh, don't ship very well. So a lot of times you can see it on butterflies and antheas. Um, you know, once this actual physical symptoms start manifesting, it's almost impossible to save the fish, which is why we want to look at prophylactic treatment in the first place. Yeah, so a lot of what we're going to talk about today is prevention, not treatment, because uh, treatment, if you're doing this for your first time, man, like really low mm -hmm. outcome. In fact, low outcome for a lot of experienced people. And in fact, this is one of those areas with uranema where it's not as well understood as the other diseases and the treatments aren't as universally agreed on. Almost everybody will tell you the formalin works for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's some discussion about how, you know, a period of uh, freshwater dips or hydrogen peroxide or different things work. But we haven't found universal agreement on all those things. So you're just going to see a lot of debate on this one. Also, another difference between uranema and all the other ones we've done so far is that uh, once it's in the tank, you should probably consider that it's there forever. Mm -hmm. uh, because unlike Brook and Ick and Velvet, a uranema actually doesn't need a fish to uh, prey on. Mm -hmm. It actually preys on all the detritus and other garbage that's in your tank. Mm -hmm. And more so, it's really just kind of opportunistic, the fact that it can find like an open wound or, yeah. you know, area between the scales to attack. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of times, you know, it's what we often think is that fish come in, they're slightly damaged from shipping. Uh, they come into contact with uranema. Uranema will sometimes jump onto the uh, you know, dead decaying tissue to eat all of the um, decaying organic matter. Uh, and then once it's been uh, consumed, they'll actually move on to the living tissue as well. All right. I've actually heard multiple people tell me stories of actually their best treatment uh, for uranema is actually to take that sick fish and put it in a healthy tank. Don't do that. Uh, but uh, it's important to note that uh, a healthy microbiome or all the healthy bacteria that's in a tank can actually overpower the sore that's on it that it otherwise wouldn't have. Now, the reason I say don't do that is because nobody wants to have an outbreak of this in your yeah. tank and you don't know whether or not your tank is healthy enough to solve that. But it is important to note because this is the life cycle and how it behaves. Another difference here between that ick and the velvet is the formalin thing again. Uh, decide for yourself, do some research for yourself, and even Elliot doesn't uh, do this around his own employees, takes all of the safety measures at, at marine collectors when using this material, because uh, it isn't healthy for you. You're gonna have to make that decision for yourself. All right, prevention QT for brook and uranema. Luckily, it looks very, very similar because it is the exact same thing as the ick and velvet, just with an extra process. So if you haven't seen phase one with uh, ick and velvet, go watch that, because there's just a tiny tweak to this and you can solve for these two. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna look at phase one uh, of this quarantine uh, protocol as kind of our base and we're just gonna build on it. Um, that initial freshwater bath that I said we should do, uh, we can replace that with formalin. Uh, formalin actually will kill flukes as well. Um, and you can see them fall off the fish just like you would in a freshwater dip. Uh, and then on the subsequent days, uh, days three, six, nine, and so on every three days when we're already gonna be doing a water change, uh, you can do that 35 minute bath at that point in time. Um, we're also gonna sanitize the tank at that step as well, just so that when we're putting the fish back in, it's going into a very clean environment. 
All right, so step one, uh, we told you last week that uh, it would take about 10 minutes to do the water change. This time it's gonna take about 35 because... Yeah, so uh, when we pull that fish out, we're gonna do a, a formalin dip, uh, or a formalin bath rather, sorry. Uh, what it's gonna look like is you're gonna do a dosage of one mil uh, per gallon of water formalin. We're gonna put an air stone in that bucket as well so we have good oxygenation. Formalin actually does strip the water of oxygen a little bit. We wanna make sure that that fish isn't gonna have trouble uh, with normal respiration. Um, and then while that fish is actually in that bath, what we're gonna do is we're going to uh, clean this best we can. Uh, my personal uh, recommendation is to actually fill it up with fresh water, um, leave it, let it sit for 10 minutes. What that's gonna do is the fresh water is going to kill off all of the uranema and brook that was potentially falling off the fish that's still in this tank with osmotic shock. Um, drain it back down, fill it back up with your medicated water, and that's all you need to do. While those things are sitting in that uh, bath for 35 minutes, and by the way, the formalin you're looking for is called 37%. Mm -hmm. Don't pick anything else. Then during that process, while, the, while we're doing the bath, fill it up with uh, the fresh water, let that osmotic shock kill off everything in there. It's not sterilizing the tank, but it's killing what we want to kill. Uh, and then just put it back in after you filled it back up, just like you would for the Ick and Velvet, and then repeat that process every time during this. So for the four additional process, Mission accomplished. Brooke and your Nima are probably not going to ever be an issue in your tanks. All right. Caveats, stipulations <laughs> to Brook and uh, uh, Uranema are longer than Ick and Velvet as well. <laughs> uh, starting with, if you have really sensitive fish, you should do the process a little different. Yeah, so if, you know, let's say you're doing flasher wrasses, fairy wrasses, stuff that already is going to have a hard time in copper, we don't want to add to that stress by also doing formalin dips. Um, I would just do the phase one by itself. Uh, and then when you're done, um, remove the fish, make sure that we clean this tank out. My personal recommendation is either bleach it or just use a different tank. That way you're not potentially reusing the same um, QT system that might contain ick or velvet in there and then reinfecting it with um, unmedicated water. What we'll do is then refill that tank with unmedicated water. Uh, we will still actually wanna do the nitrofurazone, but we won't do the copper. Um, and then you're gonna follow that same three-day split protocol, but just do the formalin by itself. All right, just for clarification. When you go do this uh, for these uh, sensitive fish, mm -hmm. do the exact phase one pro protocol the way that you saw in that video. Don't deviate from it all. Yep. Then essentially go repeat it, but this time without the copper, and then replace uh, in those formalin dips uh, during those water changes, and then you'll solve for both, and you'll do it for more delicate fish. Another caveat here is if you're doing chromis, I don't know, this might be the first step. Yeah, so if you got fish that you know are extra extra prone um, or you think might have been in a system that had uranema or maybe you suspect that uranema might be developing, do this first, do the formalin um, before you do phase one or do it in conjunction with phase one. Um, you know, it, uranema does uh, move really rapidly. So if it is a fish that is infected, it's definitely better to treat that first with formalin than do the copper. I think I would call this true of any disease. If you can physically see that disease or you know that that fish is uniquely prone to that disease, maybe you should do that one first. Another caveat to this is a bath in formalin or formaldehyde is actually a pretty harsh treatment and not all of the fish will actually need it. Yeah, I mean, very, very few fish uh, are ever exposed to brook. You know, usually that's primarily a clownfish thing, uh, which makes this uh, part of the quarantine phase really unnecessary. Um, you know, 
formaldehyde, it's toxic to us, toxic to the fish. Um, you know, a lot of these chemicals that we use, if we don't need to, it's probably better not to, especially when you're considering your own health. Um, but definitely, definitely um, use your best judgment. Only do this if you think that the fish is uh, prone or caring or potentially uh, already infected with these things. So if you're not reading between the lines here, uh, everybody should do phase one. Uh, it's really easy. Do it uh, for, uh, I mean, I'd say do it for ick, but really do it for velvet. And by solving velvet, you just happen to solve ick mm -hmm. as well. Uh, this one, uh, I don't know if I would say that this is perfect for the first time uh, QT. Yeah. A lot it, of anecdotal data in here. <laughs> it is a progression path. It is part of a journey of essentially learning how to be a fish vet and how to do it responsibly and how to recognize the signs and learn. So I would start with phase one and then build upon it. Another caveat here is uh, formalin isn't the only answer. It just happens to be the most effective of the answers that we know. There are some experimental or options that seem to work sometimes, just not all the time. Yeah, so anecdotally in the hobby and in the industry, we've seen freshwater dips uh, definitely help your anema and manage Brooklynella. Um, I can personally say from my own experience that years ago, we used to only dip freshwater or clownfish in freshwater dips. We would do the dips eight hours apart every day for like the first week. Um, and the fish usually do pretty well, but it's not foolproof. Another option, chloroquine phosphate. Um, I've seen it work to uh, cure your anema and Brooklynella, but I've also seen it not. Um, you know, so use your own judgment if you think that the uh, formalin aspect is going to be too um, abrasive for you and you want to try the lesser options, that's definitely out there for you. I've also seen people exploring using uh, hydrogen peroxide for some of these types of diseases. So you may want to research that as well. If formalin isn't right for you, uh, the only reason that we're not documenting this and saying do it this way uh, out of us is because a lot of these things are hit or miss uh, or experimental. And that's not the kind of advice that we can give. Another caveat, or actually just kind of extension of things that you could do for uranema is you could feed Metro. Yeah, so metronidazole um, is often used in a gut cleaner uh, to actually force uranema out of the intestinal tract. Um, I'm a little bit, uh, got mixed reviews on it just because I don't know it to be foolproof all the time, um, but you could do that as well. Uh, to me, it's somewhat uh, makes sound logic and sometimes sounds logic actually works <laughs> and sometimes it just feel good. Uh, so uh, it isn't part of the protocol that we developed today, but you could add that in. How would I feed Metro if I wanted to? Uh, so actually, if you're just going to do a gut cleaner in general, um, my recommendation is actually do metronidazole, canamycin and optional prosy, uh, especially if you think that your fish might have internal flagellates. Um, and then you'll bind that with like a frozen food like PD mice or something uh, and focus. Uh, so a product made by Seacamba, basically it will bind those medications to the solid fish food and make it stick to it so the fish actually ingests the medication. So you had me do that for uh, Popeye on one of the fishes, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, and uh, what it is at Focus is actually kind of like a putty and you mix in the powders uh, in with the Focus bind it all up to something tasty, and then the fish will eat the whole thing and ingest it. So that is an option. Uh, you can add it to this whole mix if you'd like. 
All right, so because of all of those caveats, I think it's reasonable to say that phase two here is what I'd call optional, or at least something that you would work your way up to uh, as part of the whole QT process. Again, do the ick and velvet for sure, but this one, it might be something that you grow into. And when I say optional, I can tell you, for me, Optional means my option is actually to have people like uh, marine collectors do this for me. Um, he's doing it in a professional environment, managing all of the risks of the formalin uh, safely there. And I don't have to expose my household uh, to spilling it on the floor or my kids crawling through it or anything like that. So think about how important that is. And there are other options in doing it at home, but now we've told you how to do it really cheaply at home as well. All right, so what's next? Phase three, we're talking flukes now. And uh, to be honest, if you did that formalin uh, step here, you probably wiped out most of the flukes as well, but not necessarily all. Yeah, you know, just anecdotally, I've seen formalin not knock out all the gill flukes. Um, you know, it could just be a matter of frequency or the type of actual gill fluke that the fish have. Um, but if you want to be absolutely sure that the flukes are eradicated, uh, we're going to show you how to do it. Yeah, phase three, get those flukes out of the tank, especially if you skip phase two, this is how you're going to do it. Playlist right here.